Thank you so much for joining me on Teach Me How to Money. Today we have an incredible guest, someone who I've been dying to meet for such a long time. It's Lindsay Stanberry. She's the work and money editor of Refinery29, and she's the author of Money Diaries, everything you've always wanted to know about your finances and everyone else's. Hey, Lindsay. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. I'm so excited to see you. I always like to talk to another Lindsay. It's Lindsay to Lindsay. Yes, it's really <laughs> exciting. So you guys also have a podcast coming out. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so we're launching it later this spring, and it's called Money Diaries, the podcast. And we're diving a little deeper into the diaries that we run on the site, and women are calling in with their pressing financial questions. So tell us a little bit about Money Diaries and what it's all about on Refinery yeah. and why people read it and why it's so popular. Yeah, so Money Diaries is our daily financial column. We launched it in January 2016, so we're coming up on our three-year anniversary, which is crazy. Thank you. We've published over a thousand diaries at this point, which is crazy. And basically, it tracks millennial women spending for a week, and they give information about their salaries, their take-home pay, how much they're putting into their 401k, um, what they pay in rent, all those kind of interesting details that we don't necessarily share daily. And then they go deeper. You know, they talk about their relationships, their careers, the bad Netflix shows they're binging, (laughs) you know, everything about their lives. Because we spend a lot more on things that we don't think we spend money on. And I think the diaries really help to really help women look into their budgets and see where their money is actually going versus just their rent and dinners out. There's also the little things like like your Netflix subscription yeah. and, you know, stops for candy on the way home from work. It's true. And that, like, $5 latte. Absolutely. I'm really bad about swiping my credit card at the grocery store and not actually looking at the total. So this is a good way uh-huh. to, like, really get a sense of what you're spending. So the one thing I really like about Money Diaries, because I've been following them too, is um, it's incited a lot of conversations about – who makes what, who makes more money, men or women, or how much should we be making for our salary at our age. And it just goes to show how money is still so taboo to just talk about how much we make. Yeah, I think it's still really uncomfortable. I even don't really like to have those conversations with my friends. Um, It can be kind of awkward. And I think that there's a lot of this feeling like for women, especially if we make I don't even say too much because that sounds crazy. But, like, you know, if we make a healthy salary, there's a guilt that, like, maybe our friends will judge us for making a lot. Sure. Or if we don't make enough, there's this concern that we're not keeping up. And so there's a lot of, like, feelings and emotions around it. Absolutely. And how much should you be saving and who's picking up the check? Yeah. And I know that when I used to go out with my friends, people, there's always be like an awkwardness around the check because who drank more, yeah. who ordered more. And I know that that's part of like, well, I don't make as much, but I don't want people to know that I don't make as much. Right, right. Navigating splitting a group bill at dinner is truly <laughs> the worst thing ever. It's my nightmare. Yeah, I agree. So, but why do you think, just taking a deeper dive, why do you think that people in general are just so ashamed when it comes to just talking about how much they make? I think that because we've created this, like, fake taboo, I actually think that women really do want to talk about this, and that's why Money Diaries is so successful and why women are so willing to share this so publicly, and also why the comment section is so vibrant and stressful at times. Sure. <laughs> um, it's because we are all, like, holding in this, like, anxiety about it and that we want to talk about it. And we've all been socialized to believe we're not supposed to. I think that, you know, 
my parents are very supportive of my career, but I think it kind of freaks them out a little bit that I sit around and talk about other people's money all day. I just think it's really hard for people to just begin to put it out there how much they're making because yeah. then they might realize how they're getting paid less than other people. And it's, do you think it's harder for women to talk about money versus men? I don't. I think it's hard for everyone. I think it's hard for everybody too. I think that that's kind of a myth that we've created. I do think that women are just now beginning to tell their financial narratives. Like it, it has been dominated by men in the past. We are beginning to earn more than them, to have better jobs. We go to college at a greater degree. We also have more debt than them. So it's finally our chance to share our stories, and that's exciting, and drive the narrative. Well, sometimes you're not even supposed to talk about how much you make, especially in the workplace. You can get in a lot of trouble. Yes, but they can't fire you. Right, but some people think they can be fired. They do. I mean, it makes sense that a company doesn't want you to share your salary. When you begin to share that information, you have power, and that's really intimidating for companies. I say that it's really tricky navigating whether or not you tell your coworkers your salary. Yeah. You've got to, like, weigh the, like, pros and cons of that really carefully. And I say never, ever go to your boss and say, like, hey, I know that they make less than me, and that's not fair because that just makes everything terrible. Or just that this person makes more than me, that's not fair either. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny. We interviewed our head of HR here, and she gave us a really good lesson on how, to, how not to ask for a raise. Yeah, exactly. And that was the one thing she said, never go and say, this person makes you know a little more than me, like, give me. First of all, they do frown on those conversations because yeah. you never know what they came in on, and everyone's situation is very different. It is very different. But it can still feel really bad. It can feel really bad, and I think it can be good motivation to, like, find a new job. I know that's not necessarily popular advice, but sometimes, you know, you're out of place, and it's never going to get better, and this is an opportunity to, to know it. And I think that that's where knowing salaries are really important is when you go out and you're looking for that next job to make sure that you are being paid fairly the next time. So what should you do? So say you find out that, you know, you're like an assistant editor and there's another assistant editor and you realize that you're making, you know, almost significantly less than they are. Like, how do you deal with that inner rage and then how do you make it productive? Well, I think you complain a lot about it with your friends, <laughs> right? Lots of venting right. to and the right you, people. And then you spend money on wine and you have to split uh, yes, the check. exactly. And then you split the check. And then I think it's about really making an argument for why you should get a higher salary. So like sitting down and writing down all your accomplishments, really thinking about the steps that you are taking. I also think that in situations where like you're being paid less than a guy, there could be some like pay inequity there that can be, a, you know, a systemic problem in your company. And there have been examples. You know, I know Salesforce a few years ago did that huge um, survey of their entire company and ended up giving women raises. So if that's the situation, there can be, you know, steps that you can take with HR to be like, you actually need to to fix this problem. And sometimes some people are better at asking for what they're worth at the yeah, beginning at when the they beginning. start the job. And it's hard to make up for that. If you didn't know what you were worth when you started and what you, what you asked for, you're, you might always be in a Yeah, that's why you should always ask for more. It's really hard, though. We do this series at Refinery called Salary Stories, where women track their salary over their careers, the ups and downs. And I was editing one this morning, and it really reminded me that it's so hard in the beginning of your career to advocate for yourself. Absolutely. Well, you have no experience. You have no experience. (laughs) And it gets easier and easier as it goes along, and you have more to, you know, it's easier to show what you've done. So I I just think that's something to keep in mind, too. Like, most of us in our 20s don't know what we're doing. No. Some of us in our 30s don't know what we're doing. No, I mean, that's the truth, right? (laughs) 
But what if, okay, so what if it's sort of a deeper problem? What if it's not just about experience and gender, but what if you're like a person of color or you're starting to feel like, is it more than just the work I'm doing? Is it, is it me? Is it the way I'm being reflected in the company? Like, what are some things that they can do, some steps they can put in place to make sure that they feel comfortable going forward to HR and saying like, hey, like, I really deserve to be making more and I'm concerned that it's more than just my performance. I think it's so hard. I think a big part is finding a great advocate. You know, I think for women, and this is really an unfair thing, but for women of color also, there's tends to be like negative reactions to asking for raises. So finding that person who's going to help you can be a really big thing. And that includes like finding a great male ally. It's not always easy, but they are out there. There are some of them and get them to help you advocate for yourself. And I also think that, you know, like I said, maybe it's time to find a new job and that new job can offer like huge pay bumps. So how do you find out what you're worth. I mean, not your self-worth, you know, we're all worth something. But if you want to figure out what your worth is in the marketplace versus your experience, what's a good place to start? So that's when you actually should start talking to people about their salaries. And that can also be talking in ranges. Like, you know, it's okay if you don't want to tell me exactly what you make, but I'm looking for a new job. And what would you suggest a great range is? One suggestion, I worked with Fran Hauser. She wrote this fantastic book, Myth of the Nice Girl. And she gave this piece of advice to me that I have really hung on to, which is to talk to recruiters. There's no emotion tied up to it. You're not comparing yourself to a peer, but they're giving you hard numbers of what they're seeing in the industry. So even if you're not looking for a job right now, it can be worth like calling them up and be like, hey, I, can we have a cup of coffee? Can you tell me what you're saying? I think that's really great advice. So how do you get up the courage to ask for more? I think timing is everything. I think that you really have to think about like what's going on in your industry, what's going on at your immediate company, and then like down to like, did your boss have a good morning or a bad <laughs> morning? They had a bad morning. This is probably not the day to bring up the raise. And then really like prepare, 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 like have that sheet with all of your notes about all the awesome things. Bring the receipts, as they say, sure. to like really prove that you're worth. And practice, I think that's a really good thing to do so that you've got your ideas down and you feel really comfortable about it. What about when you, you get the job offer? And you're, or you're closest to sealing the deal, and then you think, you know, like, I'm going to go for that extra $5,000. I know a lot of women feel like, oh, I should just be happy with what I—we don't yeah. believe that, but we feel like, oh, I, this, I don't want to ask—be greedy. I don't want to ask for too much. How can yeah. we suspend—I'm sure men feel this way, too. But how can you suspend that feeling that is so unproductive? Well, I used to say they'd never take away a job offer, and then yet— the last week I had a conversation with a woman who said her friend just negotiated herself out of a job offer, which is huh. terrifying. I didn't think that that could happen. What does that mean? I, I don't know. I didn't get all the details. I was like, what you have to tell me more. Uh, but essentially, she was asking for more and more, and they couldn't come to something, and the, uh, the company rescinded the offer. I think probably in the end with a situation like that, she didn't want the job in the first place. Sure. That makes sense. And I think that's something to really remember, especially as you, like, progress in your career. Like, if a job opportunity doesn't work out, there's a really good chance that it just wasn't right and you've dodged a bullet. Do you think it's fair for somebody to go in and say that you don't get what you want in the out, outset? Can you say, is there a raise structure? Yes. Like, wait, what are some milestones I'll need to hit to yes. get to, you know? We're like four months down the line. Can we revisit this? I think that putting those lines in the sand, really talking about how do bonuses work? Is there equity? Is there 401k matching? Can you give me more vacation time? I think that those are all really important things to be talking about. And oftentimes we're just so excited to get a job we don't even think right. about. 
that. We can just be sort of grateful. Yes. <laughs> Stop being grateful. Yes. Stop being grateful. You're there for a reason. They wanted you for a reason. Grateful doesn't pay the rent. I think that's, that's excellent advice. We were talking about this earlier, but this has happened to all of us. We all go out. Someone always wants to go out to a fancier restaurant for someone's birthday. Someone always wants to order the fancy bottles of wine versus the glasses of wine. Yeah. And you don't want to be the person who's like pulling out singles for the check. <laughs> How can you put out there that you just it's just not in your budget, but you still want to be a cool friend and celebrate. How can you navigate that without feeling like a jerk? I think that just being honest is a really big part of it. Everybody feels that kind of that stress from time to time. And the people who don't, you know, they can go and have dinner without you. I I don't like group dinners. I think that they're so awful. And <laughs> You don't get to talk to anybody. You don't get to talk to anybody. They're really expensive. They're not fun. And those are one of those things that, like, you can actually say no to them and it's okay. And you yeah. can be like, I'm going to meet you for a drink afterward and I will buy you your fancy cocktail but I'm not paying, you know, $100 to have this dinner that I'm not even going to enjoy. Why are they always at small plates restaurants, too? I was just going to say, why are they the small plates, big, big expense? Oh, it's I mean, awful. It's, and I know, for like one fig. You're yeah, for $18. one fig, and you're so hungry afterwards. <laughs> it's the worst. Just say no. It's really okay to say no. It is okay to say no. And if you don't want to say that, you know, it's because your budget's tight, lie, lie and say you're too busy, you know? You know, I have a conflict. Not a big deal. One of my friends said to me, she's like, I really want to take you out for your birthday. I love you, but it's just I can't make it work, but I will meet you afterwards for drinks. And it was totally fine. And then after yeah. she kept apologizing, she was so embarrassed. But who cares? Who cares? And if they do care, maybe they're like, should not be on your birthday list next year. Yeah. Yes, I think that that's true, too. Yeah, absolutely. So, but how do you deal when, like, you have a friend who's just makes more than you and it's, like, a good friend, someone you grew up with? Like, how can you have that equality with, like, vacations? You know, they want more. Yeah. I mean, it goes down to, like, that's a question that even applies to, like, when you have a partner, like, yeah. and you have different ideas about the hotel you're staying at. I think it's just, again, about having, like, being honest about it and being a little vulnerable and Understanding that everybody's coming from different places and having different priorities. And with friends and vacations, you know, you're making a choice to vacation with them. So being upfront about expectations on budget before you even book a flight, I think is crucial. So we were talking about the Money Diaries, uh, which you've been working so hard on. Tell us some of the most shocking things you've discovered from learning about what women spend their money on. It's funny. I always get asked this question. People are not shocking. That's kind of the <laughs> beauty of Money Diaries is that, like, they're wonderfully mundane and that, like, people talk about buying, I don't know, a pack of gum or, like, you know, negotiating, going out to a bar on a date and figuring out who's picking up the tab. And I just think that they are so relatable in the fact that they are kind of boring. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I edited one last weekend that made me laugh out loud. Oh, she was in Montana and she was amazing. And they were eating roadkill antelope. As you do. And I was like, what? That's crazy, but awesome. Right. You're up one in Montana. One in Montana. Exactly. <laughs> So what do you think people, when you look at the comments, uh, what are people learning from the Money Diaries? How is looking at other people's budgets turning out to be really helpful for them? I think that there's a lot of relatability there. I think that there's also, you know, it's easy to fall into judging. There's sometimes a relief yes. of like 
she's making that much and she's putting none in my 401k. Like, look at me. I'm doing I'm doing better. <laughs> I've, I've got it figured out a right. little bit. I think, you know, for us on the coasts where looking at the rent and, you know, in South Dakota, I was talking to a diarist uh, yesterday and she lives in South Dakota and has a three-bedroom house and they pay 1100 a month. And like, you know, a little part of me died. But then she also lives <laughs> in South Dakota. so Which is different. Different which opportunities is different there. opportunities there. Her husband likes to uh, ice climb. So oh. I was like, I don't even know what that is, but great. <laughs> well, it, you know, it just goes to show you can have more outdoorsy lives. You can trade certain things yes. in. You know, if you're tired of paying two grand in rent, you you can move someplace else and have that house and have that peace and quiet. And you can maybe, you can give you a, a lens into a whole other way of a being. A whole other way of life. It's I love so that. fascinating. And you can find happiness, you know, wherever you want. Yeah. Women are doing lots of really cool stuff all around the country. Well, what tell us the one thing that you learned about your own budgeting and your own financial life from editing The Money Diaries. Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely have curbed my bad coffee spending habits. Okay. Working it's just on Money coffee, Diaries. Is coffee so bad? I don't think coffee is so bad. I just figured, you know, after knowing how much I've spent on it, yes. there are better ways that I could be spending <laughs> that money. And I think that it's just in general made me, you know, appreciate and think about my spending a little bit more, you know, like – Sometimes I'll play a game where I all think, like, what will the diary— Like, if I had a diary, what would people respond in the oh comments with this purchase? Those comments have gotten to you. You yeah, comment in your brain now. They are, they are <laughs> totally in my brain. They're judging me everywhere I go. Uh, so if we wanted to learn more about you, to learn more about The Money Diaries, what you're up to, uh, listen to the podcast, how, could, how can we find you? So it's all on refinery29.com. Uh, Money Diaries publishes seven days a week, except oh major holidays. So we took Christmas and New Year's off this year. And the podcast will be wherever podcasts are available. And the book is everywhere books are sold. And how can someone submit a money diary to you? You can submit through the site and we're always looking for new submissions. And I think we might be taking some men this year. So if you're feeling like taking a risk, I think having a uh, men's diary on the site would be interesting. I think so too. I think dudes want to know what other dudes are spending money on. Yeah. I think that we all deserve some equality. I think yeah. we, <laughs> they deserve some too. They deserve to, uh, <laughs> to run the uh, comic gauntlet. Oh, my goodness. He was traumatized in comments. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to have you. And I'm so so excited we finally met. Yeah, me too. Thanks for listening to Teach Me How to Money. Send us your questions at teachmehowtomoney at stashinvest.com. And we'll try to answer them on a future episode. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review on the iTunes store, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't have Stash yet? Just go to stashinvest.com slash podcast. And you can get $5 to get you started on your investment journey. Stash, it's your money. Simplified. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute a recommendation from Stash to the listener. Neither Stash nor any of its officers, directors, or employees makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any of the information contained in this podcast and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Stash, and Stash is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of advice by Stash to the listener, nor to constitute such a person a client of Stash.